Hello and welcome to this NLive's Open for Business podcast platform. My name is Adrian Price, the guy from the university, as I keep saying, with the perfect face for radio. And I host a show every Tuesday from 7 to 9 p.m. called Open for Business. Open for Business celebrates the very best of business in Northampton and Northamptonshire and brings together business, civic, charity and indeed academic leaders to talk about the business environment, to talk about initiatives and projects, especially where, they're, where they are all working together for the good of the community. So enjoy these extended interviews on this podcast. They're now set up as a standalone for you to savour and uh, to learn from some of the movers and shakers in the county. Enjoy. We've had lots of different um, business people on the show telling us about, the, you know, how COVID's affected their business and, and their, their business lives, their own personal life in many ways. Um, another area then, let's just sort of try to get a handle on what's happening in the legal profession. And I'm delighted to say that I've got uh, Dominic Hopkins, who is a partner with Hewitsons, uh, based in Northampton, with us today. And uh, Dominic, welcome. And how are you coping with COVID? At a personal level. Well, thank you very much, Ed. It's very good to be with you today. Uh, how are we coping with COVID? Well, like so many people, we've had to adjust, really, haven't we? I mean, that's, it's, it's been a, an extraordinary period. Uh, I was actually talking to my wife the other day, and, uh, and she put this to me. She said she'd seen an item in the news about the different types of perspex protection that could be bought now for, for, in the community for, for just... Uh, ordinary civilians and I and she said just imagine if we'd had that conversation 12 months ago people would have thought we were mad it's that different I mean we are in extraordinary times no we are indeed um so you're with Hewitson's based in town I guess it's made some impact on Hewitson's uh, in terms of you know a large number of staff I mean have you had to furlough people is work carrying on what what just give us a sort of overview really of the impact certainly work carries on um, absolutely but it work carries on in a very different way Um, uh, when uh, at the beginning of March when uh, when the whole uh, lockdown period began uh, we had a challenge and the challenge was how we could move from being an office-based working environment to a remote working environment and we managed to do that in about 10 days, seven to 10 days, we got our 270 people, all bars and skeleton staff, all working from home. And I'm bound to say, with great credit, enormous credit to our uh, IT team who worked their socks off uh, to get us all equipped and up and running. And so establishing business continuity over that period was really important. And, And since that time, we've all had to adjust to a different way of working, a different way of communicating internally. Our teams operate in a different way. And it's certainly right that workflows have changed. Uh, in some parts of the business, we've had very uh, uh, an upturn. And you might expect that in areas such as employment law, where businesses need a great deal of help over this time. Understanding what is a very complicated system, a furlough system, and trying to help with the sort of response to that. In the same way, you might expect our private client team have been really busy, mainly focusing on things where people are looking at life and saying, well, have they got their affairs in order? And that's very understandable where people are looking at mortality in, in, the, public, uh, in the public arena. In so the so every cloud has a silver lining in, in, in one sense, but are the working 
um, habits going to change permanently or will you revert back to the heavy, you know, everyone in the office after this? Well, uh, it's a really important question and I think there will be changes. Uh, I don't think we will ever be working in quite the same way uh, as, as we have been. Uh, the CEO of IBM was interviewed uh, on television uh, not so long ago, a couple of weeks ago, and I was quite struck by what she said. She said, what this has done is it's accelerated a process which had been in play for quite a time and accelerated at an enormous pace. So what we've actually seen is, is, is really just the culmination now of, of what would have, would, have, um, would have taken place but for uh, the pandemic and its effect on our ways of working. You know, we've been forced to, to use all sorts of means of communication and to embrace them. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and quite frankly, I, I, I'm now, uh, I wouldn't say confused, but I'm sort of surprised by the number of different types of communication decision-making we have to make, whether it's Zoom or WhatsApp or uh, uh, Skype or Teams or the whole range, the family, of, of means of communication. And that's been great in so many ways. Uh, it has, has resulted in a degree of confusion but, um, uh, and, uh, and complication. But at the same time, I mean, we can talk today face-to-face -to -face on this system. And I, I certainly, uh, I, I confess it, you know, this time last year, had I really heard about Zoom? No, I hadn't at all, but it's been quite a while. Well, you've mentioned all the ones that I have to grapple with. Teams I haven't quite got around my, my head around yet. But, um, you know, it is remarkable what can be done, of course, although it, it, there are still sort of hiccups with it. It's not perfect for sure. Um, your, your role at Hewitson's is um, partner for disputes and litigation, which uh, knowing you, um, Dominic, you go backwards and forwards to London a lot to be in court. So how, how are your court acting performances going at the moment? <laughs> that's, a, that's a very it's a very good question actually because being in court is a very different experience now being in court is actually being online all the civil courts have adjusted to doing all of their work through a different means of video conferencing so hearings i had a, a, a nice lengthy hearing the other day uh, which which had um, uh, the parties were well represented uh, on video and the judge was sitting in her room and then at halfway through the hearing, she said, I need to take a 10 minute break. And we thought it was so that she could consider her judgment. But in fact, it was, as she said, I needed to get a bee out of her, her room where she was, she was actually viewing the a bee and come in the window and she had to get rid of it. Now, that wouldn't have happened in a court context, but it was, a, it was, a, it was a coming down to earth, I suppose, of, 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 uh, of, of the court system. Uh, at this time, which is under a great deal of strain, there's no question. But uh, funny, the, the, the reason why that point is, is quite interesting is because uh, there's a case going on at the moment which has been brought by the Financial Conduct Authority. And uh, last week, um, the first hearing of that case was streamed live. Uh, and you could sit and watch it, and the judge was sitting in his chambers, and the barristers were sitting in their respective homes. Uh, all videoing and presenting their arguments. Uh, now, it's far more difficult, obviously, in a criminal court. But in the civil courts, uh, it's very straightforward, in fact, to establish these types of, of, of he virtual hearings. Were they dressed in their formal attire or not? 
Uh, well, in the civil courts, most civil courts, the judges for these hearings are always going to be dressed down in suits, so suits and ties. Okay. Um, yeah, so not, not wigs and gowns. All right. Well, you mentioned that particular um, case then. Um, I did want to ask you, you know, what, you mentioned a couple of areas where there's been some growth in your business um, as a result of COVID, but, you know, across the nation, from a business, business continuity perspective, wh what are you seeing in terms of um, an area of the law that perhaps is coming under scrutiny? I think you referred to a test case there, yes? Well, yes, I'm, I think uh, um, it's fair to say that areas of our practice have, 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 uh, have shown a considerable amount of activity. Other areas of practice have not, so property areas uh, perhaps have not been quite so busy. As you know, residential convincing, lots of resi uh, residential convincing have sort of stopped. The property market came to a pretty, pretty abrupt halt for a while. It's, it's restarted now. Commercial property uh, certainly slowed down in some areas of transactional work. The um, the, the, the residential development property work is seemingly more being more um, resilient, largely because people are, are sorting out financing for their development. So it's a bit of a mixed picture. But out there, because of course our clients are the businesses in our communities, and those businesses have been affected in enormous ways. And parts of our set that many sectors have, have 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 had to shut down. And when businesses shut down, sometimes they will think to themselves, "Well, did I?" You know, did I have contingencies in place? Did I have insurance in place to help me through these sorts of circumstances? And, and so many insurers do offer a thing called business continuity insurance. And so many policyholders will have turned, many businesses will have turned to their insurance policies and to find out whether or not they would respond to help them through the financial debt, you know, uh, injury that they're suffering through this period. Uh, and most of the business continuity insurance policies won't respond, and that's partly because the insurance policies have not been, uh, we're not uh, um, uh, anticipating a pandemic. They might cover uh, certain types of disease, notifiable disease, but at the time, of course, up until the beginning of March, um, COVID-19, which is the disease, was not a notifiable disease beginning of March it was made notifiable but of course people had their policies had bought policies well before that and so what's happened is there are a number of policies uh, out there which have been uh, insurers have been saying well we're not going to pay your claims because we don't think the policies should respond and the regulator of the insurance industry the financial conduct authority has decided to bring a claim a test case in the high court to ask the court to interpret the wordings of these policies, essentially to argue the claims uh, in respect of those parts of, of the policyholders' uh, arguments um, that turn on the meaning of the insurance policy itself. Because small and medium-sized enterprises in the hospitality sector, in the leisure sector, they don't have the money to bring expensive court proceedings. So the FCA has decided... I think obviously there's a bit of politics behind it, but the FCA has decided to bring this case and the insurance market have agreed to participate. So there have been a, a number of the insurers, not all, but a number of the insurers have agreed to participate in this case. And that's being uh, dealt with on a speedy basis. At the moment. There's been an expedited order for trial towards the end of July. And so at the end of July, there'll be a lot of businesses out there in Northamptonshire, in the region, 
who will be waiting on the outcome of this important case to see whether or not they have policies that will or ought to respond to claims for business interruption. When you say a test case, is there is there somebody that um, a, a company, insurance company that you know the that has been what's the word is the defendant, if you will? Yes, there are there are seven defendants um, uh, to the claim, uh, and the Financial Conduct Authority uh, has as um, uh, is the claimant. Uh, it's being brought under. It's an unprecedented claim, as so many unprecedented events these days. Unprecedented claims being brought under the financial markets test case scheme uh, under the civil procedure rules. So it's a first, we think. Uh, certainly the FCA and the courts think it is the first. And uh, that case uh, enables the FCA to stand as a claimant um, uh, because it's, it's not obviously arguing the case. Uh, it isn't the policy. It's not representing the policy. Holders. That's not what it's doing. It's, it's fulfilling its role as as regulator, but as part of that role as regulator, it's willing to to run the opposing arguments to those of the insurers, hmm. uh, and so uh, that case is being very carefully watched by many parts of uh, um, the the business community. Indeed, and your interest then you're not you're not acting on behalf of the FCA nor the insurance companies, but you are interested for your clients who are, would like to yeah. make a claim under the. Business well, we're, insurance, yeah. we're certainly interested. I'm certainly uh, um, looking at it from the context of businesses who are affected by uh, by um, uh, by the COVID nineteen um, uh, circumstances, and uh, and keeping them informed about how the, how this case is going to affect their if they're going to be making a claim or not uh, under their policies. So yes, is uh, is looking at it from the looking at it from the perspective of the policyholder, the business which is right. I tend to represent businesses. And in your experience, do a lot of your business clients have that, have taken out that insurance? Or is this one of those things that very few have actually taken it out? So it's not going to impact on many? Many, um, uh, many, many businesses have the cover, but uh, the vast majority of the cover will not respond to this sort of claim because none of the policies have been written for pandemics. Yeah. Um, so very few policies have been written with that in mind. And you can understand why that's the case. An insurer is going to be very reluctant at the beginning of a policy when it's writing cover to uh, underwrite circumstances which it can't measure actuarially the risk. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of money at stake here, right? It doesn't just fall under the, act of, under the act of God category. This is, you know, this is ongoing three, four, five, six months, yes, worth of... Interruption. It's, it's, an, it's an enormous amount of money involved, uh, and, and, and it really is a very significant case for the insurers, insofar as if, they are, if there are claims that, that they will, they, they, they've been um, rejecting to date but may have to meet, or, or it may well be for the policyholder whose claim may fail if the, the decision of the court goes against them on the wording of their policy, and if that's right, then they're they won't have any cover, which, and of course they'll have paid a premium for their cover and they may feel disappointed. And certainly they will have to look to all the other financial measures the government has put in place to mitigate the, the damage caused by this uh, pandemic on the economy. Do you, th- um, do you think the government has done enough to help and support business that they won't need necessarily this extra insurance cover? I, I think I think have they done enough? No, no government is able to have done enough in these circumstances. Have have the government 
done a great deal. The government has done an enormous amount. I, I'm bound to say they've gone a lot further than I might have expected um, uh, in, in, in the financial support and the, you know, the cost. Uh, we will be paying the cost of, the, um, uh, of this for many, many years to come. Yeah, um, eventually taxes, won't it? <laughs> well, it's somewhere along the line, there's going to have to be a, a, a reckoning uh, on the, on, when the accountants get <laughs> yeah. work out of it, because the, the economists work, work that out. But it's, it's been interesting to see the Bank of England working very closely with the government in their policy and, and, and doing what they can to, uh, to, to mitigate the effect of yeah well with interest rates so low it's certainly as good a time as any for the government to um to borrow money when is the decision expected on that case test case well trial of the case is expected at the end of july uh, and uh, i would expect the judgment to be turned around quite quickly after that okay um, uh, because i think all parties involved and that includes the courts are look uh, see this as, as a very important case a, a real priority it's such a priority that They've uh, scheduled for the hearing to be listed before not just High Court judge, but um, uh, Mr. Justice, Lord, Just, Lord Justice Flo, a Lord Justice of Appeal, uh, is going to be sitting uh, at the trial uh, deciding it with the High Court judge. So it's a two panel, a two, tri- a two judge uh, panel um, uh, of the court deciding the case. Well, I think we should have you back on in August to come and tell us what happened and what the implications are. But if anybody is interested uh, or has a concern about business continuity insurance, well, um, you know, I think the best thing is to contact Dominic Dominic Hopkins at uh, Hewitson's in Northampton. Um, Dominic, before you go then, um, perhaps on a slightly less uh, elevated uh, topic, um, what's your favourite Welsh pop song? If I if I need to see in the archives if we've got it to either play now or, or at some um, some future point. Oh, was it? Is it? Is it? Was it? I can't remember. I think it was the. Dare I say the stereophonics? Was it the only thing that matters is beating the English? I can't remember. Was that the one? <laughs> yeah. Well, you and me both. I'm sure our listeners, the the eagle-eyed or the eagle-eared, will have realised that Dominic is a fellow Welshman with a lovely South Walian accent there, and um, you know, delighted to have you on the show, Dominic. As always, with a very great deal of uh, information and value to share with. Um, with our listeners. So yes, please do come back on when this um, judgment is made and passed so we can understand and keep up to date with it. Um, keep up the good work. Keep safe. Thank you ever so much for coming on the show. And Diochen uh, as they say. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that interview. There are plenty more here on the podcast platform. And of course, you can always listen on uh, live on Tuesday evenings from 7 to 9 p.m. on NLive Radio 106.9 FM or digitally via nliveradio.com. If you'd like to know more about the radio station, please do look at nliveradio.com. And um, we're always looking for support from the community and further afield. So if you'd like to support us, please go to nliveradio.com slash support us. So until next time, thank you very much again for listening.